CTSnet friends, welcome to another Beat Podcast where we bring you all the latest news and what a week it's been. Not one but two massive international conferences. We've got ISMIX and the ESTS both kicking off either side of the pond. Uh, that's not all we've got for you. We've got some fantastic articles. The ISHLT have produced a massive tome that you have to know about if you're in LVADS. Uh, there's a big New England Journal study on MitraClip that you really need to know about. Uh, and we've got some great videos. We've got a viral video on Lima Harvest. We've also got two fabulous webinars. So do not go away. This is going to be a great addition. So we've got not one but two international conferences. Uh, what a week. So ISMIX uh, is kicked off in Boston and it was really interesting to hear that on May the 20th, 1923, 100 years and 10 days ago, um, and, um, there was a first in Boston. That first was a 35-year-old guy called Elliot Carr Cutler. He performed the first transventricular mitral commissurotomy on a 12-year-old girl. So the modern age of heart surgery began 100 years ago in Boston, exactly where Ismix is. She survived uh, after that and, uh, and did really, really well, succumbing only four years later uh, due to pneumococcal disease. But it was really Really lovely uh, to hear that story uh, at ISMIX. Uh, the president, Vino Tarani, gave a fantastic presidential lecture. It was full of humility. It was brilliant. The actual title was The Transition from Arrogance to Humility. Um, he told us, you know, don't be scared to say I was wrong or my idea is good, but yours is better. Uh, it's really wonderful to hear our top leaders uh, coming down to earth, listening to us uh, and, and learning from their experience. That was not all. There were some brilliant, brilliant presentations. For me, Vinay Badwa's robotic aortic valve replacement was fantastic. The Subramanian Award was won by Rick Fischel. Uh, and another favourite of mine was Dr. Bulky, uh, who showed us an inexpensive and easy way to set up robotic cardiac simulators. Uh, so, so much there. And the really good news is that CTSnet has paired up with ISMIX to bring you some of the best content of that conference. So look out for it on CTSnet over the coming weeks. That was not all. The ESTS has just kicked off in Milan. Um, this is a very special year for the ESTS. This is 30 years uh, since this amazing organisation was kicked off. And in fact, uh, I'm recording this on Sunday. Uh, just an hour ago on stage, the founding fathers were brought up to a standing ovation. Uh, and that was really, really wonderful to see. There's so much uh, going on. Today we had our postgrad symposium and a Masters Cup fighting it out across Europe. And there's going to be a fantastic, uh, really interesting uh, sort of series of talks going on. I think this year might be the start of multi-platform uh, robotics. We've got Medtronic Hugo here. We've got Versius from Cambridge Medical Robotics here. And of course, we've got Intuitive with the SP. So there's a lot kicking off in robotics uh, in thoracic surgery. I'm really looking forward to seeing the presentations on all of these platforms. 
This week we've chosen three really fantastic uh, news items and there's nothing bigger than the 2023 International Society for Heart, Lung and Transplantation Guidelines for Mechanical Circulatory Report. This is actually a 10-year update, but oh my God, we have advanced in 10 years. It's crazy to think the differences that have gone on. So Dia Said from Leipzig Heart Centre was first author. David Fellman and David D'Alessandro were amazing key authors, but there were over 30 co-authors to this massive tome. In fact, it was so big that they had to break it down into nine different task forces. Uh, so you've got a whole chapter on selection for durable mechanical circulatory support. Of note, that is the up-to-date term, DMCS, uh, Durable Mechanical Circulatory Report. Support should, should maybe supplant uh, other terms you may have heard. Um, we've got a whole task force on optimizing the patient and modifiable risk factors. We've got intraoperative and postoperative management. We've got an inpatient management of these patients outpatient management. Uh, we've got VADs in congenital heart disease, a whole chapter on that. Evaluation for recovery. Only 2% of people end up having their VAD taken out, uh, but uh, there is a whole chapter on this. Bivad devices and total heart, artificial hearts, which is a whole new big area, and quality metrics. So it really is an incredible piece of work, and it probably took 10 years to create. I had a really good look into it, uh, into this brilliant uh, uh, sort of tome. And, uh, and most significantly to me, um, the big changes are the big change from HeartMate 2 to HeartMate 3. Uh, and really, it's been transformational. HeartMate 2 has you know, really gone out of practice. Um, also, Medtronic discontinuing the HVAD uh, has been a very significant event. And also, really big in America has been uh, the redefinition of the categories for the approval of LVADs by Medicare and Medicaid, uh, replacing traditional bridge to transplant and destination therapy, really opening up uh, the world of VADs. Um, there's some really interesting information on the fabulous Intermax database. Uh, this is a database of 163 hospitals all implanting VADs and, uh, and they showed that actually according to North American data there have been more than 25,000 people that have had mechanical circulatory devices uh, and 18,000 of them are continuous flow. Uh, the other interesting thing that jumped out to me is although the indication has always been bridge to transplant, only half of those on the database with uh, durable mechanical circulatory support actually ever ended up being listed, not have a transplant, not even listed for a transplant. So while we've been using this indication, actually for 50% of patients, you know, there's really no intention. They never got to uh, transplantation. And interestingly, they talk about this saying, well, maybe a VAD can be a a, a bridge to consideration of transplant because maybe you'll get a bit better, maybe you'll be healthier uh, and, and that might evolve in the future. The other really fabulous thing about the Intermax uh, guideline is that uh, database is that the one year survival has got to 83% now and the median survival is five years. So I remember the historical times when median survival was 50% with a VAD uh, and we were all cheering if they made two years and now half of people are lasting five years with people with the worst heart failure, on inotropes, you know, in hospital, even ventilated. These people are getting out to five years. One Wonderful, wonderful work from the whole community uh, involved in mechanical circulatory support. Well done to the ISHLT. 
So the second paper we've chosen for you is enormous. This is in the New England Journal of Medicine. And I think every cardiac surgeon involved in mitral surgery needs to read this because this is the five-year follow-up of transcatheter repair for secondary mitral regurgitation, also called the COAPT trial. Now, this trial, as you might expect, is showing stunning findings. It's showing great findings. It's showing a clinically significant difference uh, in hospitalization at two years. So the control group, which is fully medically managed people, 67% uh, of people were hospitalized and it was just 35% in those having a mitral clip. The death was 46% in the controls and 29% in the mitral clips. So this is a New England Journal of Medicine show showing big, big data, big differences between mitral clip and, uh, and medical treatment. So there's a few alarm bells though uh, that certainly jumped out to me as a surgeon. Firstly, fully sponsored by Abbott. Secondly, the, the Mitra FR study, uh, which was in a pretty similar group of patients uh, done in France, had quite different results. They were actually clinically not significant. Uh, and uh, there's a few uh, thoughts about why this has happened, but you know, I'm, I'm not sure uh, sort of what the differences were other than uh, it was a study sponsored by industry. Um, so the study, what was it? I better mention it's a best medical support for somebody with severe mitral regurgitation or a mitral clip. Um, so interestingly, uh, in one of their papers, it demonstrates that a mitral clip is $35,000, um, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, they, it was a randomized study, of course, uh, and, uh, and it was randomized uh, 302 patients to mitral clip versus 312 in controls. Uh, and they gave you the results. Now, the average age was uh, 74, no, sorry, 72, um, which, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting. And the other interesting, if you go all the way to the appendix and have a look, is that, uh, that actually they had a score of the number of people that were surgically not suitable. And 188 of the patients in this trial were not in a high surgical risk category. So 188 of those patients could have just had an operation. So I think for me, it shows that we've now got a big New England Journal of Medicine uh, study um, and, um, and that's great. Uh, and uh, and but oh, one other thing is in the control group, 21% of people ended up having a mitral clip as well, which was slightly strange, very high crossover. Um, so we've now got a study that does show mitral clip is better than medical therapy. Um, so we're going to have a load of cardiologists running around saying, let's do mitral clips first, um, uh, which I think is quite dangerous. And I think as a community, we really have to circle around those brave surgeons that are proposing a study of mitroclip versus surgical best uh, mitral valve repair with our top techniques, minimally invasive, brilliant repairs. We've got to go head to head. Uh, we can't see studies showing mitroclip versus medical therapy. We've got to see studies of mitroclip versus surgery. Uh, and, and they need to be uh, NIHR sponsored or, or, or sponsored by, uh, by uh, objective agencies. Anyway, that's my thoughts. I uh, hope that's not too controversial. Uh, and uh, do let me know what you think. Uh, uh, post something in the notes below uh, or let me know what you think at jdunning at ctsnet.org. The third uh, thing that we have selected for you is a great article uh, by 
um, by uh, Freiburg in Germany by Matthias Sieper's group, uh, who's editor-in-chief of the European Journal, and uh, Thomas Berger and uh, Dr. Krybich. And, uh, and it's a really good study um, looking at uh, frozen elephant trunk versus frozen ele trunk, elephant trunk with an aortic root replacement. I mean, frozen elephant trunk is a big enough operation, but, uh, but you know, it's a big deal to add a root replacement to these as well. And this study asked the question of, is that big deal dangerous? Is it worth it? Is it worth the extra time? Or can you do it in a high volume center? And they answered it very conclusively. So they looked at 303 patients undergoing arch replacement with frozen elephant trunk over nearly a 10 year period at their institution. And then they pulled out um, 50 patients that also had an aortic root replacement. Um, their findings were that, uh, that it did have a longer bypass time, a longer cross clamp time, of course it does, maybe half an hour or so, but actually it did not affect post-operative outcomes. So the mortality was not different for these people mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and there was no different overall survival. So really good work uh, from Matthias Sieper and his group in Freiburg, basically showing that if it needs to be done, do it. Do the root replacement, don't compromise and uh, and just go for it. Submissions are now open for CTSnet's annual Innovation Video Competition. The competition rewards surgeons at the cutting edge of cardiothoracic surgery with a $1,000 cash prize, a prominent feature on CTSnet, and an exclusive interview with the judges. Submit your videos showcasing creative solutions, novel surgical approaches, and technological advances in CT surgery by August 31, 2023, for a chance to win. For more information, visit ctsnet.org slash innovation video competition. Those were our news items that we did. Uh, and we've also got three videos for you. Now we've had a video go virtually viral. Um, this was by Stephen Spindle uh, and it was from the Oshner Clinic Foundation because it was something simple. It was mammary artery harvest, hints and tips, pedicled, skeletonized, and it was just wonderful. It was only four minutes long. You can watch it on your phone and I think it's a banger. Uh, really, really good. So take a look, uh, show your residents, pass it around and it was lovely. Really, really nice to done. Great technique, super simple. And uh, I would suggest if you look at this and you like it, post your best internal memory harvest technique. Uh, we want to see yours. We'd like to get uh, a bit of a compendium of three or four or five or six memory artery harvest uh, videos because you probably have a few little nuances and hints and tips yourself. They did some really good ones. How to lengthen a pedicle graft, how to cut the uh, lemur vein, how to take the fat off the bottom of it, how to identify definitely the bifurcation so that you don't miss it and uh, and cut it too early. I thought it was really, really nice. And also marking the, the, the side uh, of the graph. I never used to do that, but this shows that if you just mark it with a pen, you'll make sure you don't twist it by accident. Great tips, lovely video. The second video we have for you is a collaboration between CTSnet and, and Gettinger. Uh, we really like to do these collaborations because industry bring a really professional video. They bring the very best people to the table and we get to learn a lot. The title of this video is Advanced Root Surgery. Uh, and they got uh, William Brinkman, who is the moderator from the Baylor Scott and White Hospital in Texas, uh, brought Catherine Harrington from the same institution and also Emmanuel Lansac and Laurent 
Lawrence Dikershova, and they really gave us an expert view uh, of many aspects of advanced root surgery. I was really pleased to see um, a fantastic talk on uh, the valve sparing root replacement, the David 5. A lovely set of pictures showing the 1 to 5, um, also describing meticulously the David 5, also called the SMOD procedure. Um, really, really nice. Uh, we saw uh, videos on the cardio route for biobentals and aortic valve reimplantation and a cardio route as an external support for a pulmonary autograph in the Ross procedure. Really brilliant. It's a one hour video. Settle down with a cup of tea in the evening. Put it on your TV. Uh, come to CTSnet and put that on your telly and listen to the experts for an hour. It's really worth an hour of your time. For the thoracic surgeon Sun Monkey, we've also got a wonderful series, uh, and this series comes from the fantastic International Conference for Sublobar Resections. This one, uh, the fourth international uh, conference, was held in January, uh, and uh, and we've got uh, selected uh, four of the very best videos on segmentectomy for you. Uh, so Carol Flirty from uh, France uh, showed us how to simulate and then perform one of our most difficult segmentectomies, the S9 and 10. Uh, Marion Durant, uh, a total queen of robotic surgery, showed us S6 sleeve segmentectomy, uh, which, you know, that is a rare procedure. Uh, Carol Flirty also did combined segmentectomies. And then the absolute piece de resistance for me was from Masaki Sato, how to deal with S asterisk. Um, have you heard of S asterisk? Well, I'm putting my hand up. I hadn't heard of it. I'm a thoracic surgeon, have been for 10 years, and I did not appreciate this new segment. Uh, so this segment, uh, he reports, is present in up to 30% of our patients. It's just below segment six. It's present uh, on the left and on the right. And what is it? Well, it's if there's an extra artery um, that isn't in the basal segments and it isn't in the apical segment with an extra uh, bronchus. And he gave a lovely demonstration of this, and then he gave a a really good talk all about S asterisk. So uh, I thought that was absolutely wonderful. He also said, you know, it's not a problem. Don't stress about it, chill out, because actually you'll either just take it with your apical segment or you'll take it with your basal segment. So it's just something to look out for when you see aberrant arteries on your 3D recons. Great talk, check it out now. So that was all our videos uh, and, uh, and news items. I hope you enjoyed some of those. I hope you see them soon. Uh, and just to let you know that as well as the ESTS and ISMIX that are going on this week right now, um, there is also some really interesting things coming up. Uh, the EAX Lung Volume Reduction webinar is coming up. It's a fully virtual event, so you can uh, watch it from the comfort of your home. And it's on June the 14th. So head over to the EAX website and register right now. Um, there's an interesting connective tissue disease webinar that's going to be uh, taking place as well. Um, uh, this is uh, just documented in the show notes below. So have a little look at that and if that uh, is interesting for you. Uh, 
uh, and uh, and moving on now from the events on to um, my honourable mentions and where's Diego? So where is Diego? So Diego, the world's most famous uh, surgeon, has been in, in China, but he's actually moved units. He moved to a different unit to go and tour around China, and uh, but that didn't stop him. He was still doing uh, sleeve lobectomies and double sleeve lobectomies in a different unit in China. He's going to spend a few more weeks there before he moves on to another country to spread the word. And finally, honourable mentions. I want to give my honourable mention to Professor Eric Lim. Professor Eric Lim is an absolute rocket uh, of a thoracic surgeon. He's at the Brompton. He took over from Professor Peter Goldstraw um, and, uh, and he's doing such a great job. He's already successfully nailed the Violet trial um, of randomised open to VAT surgery. He's just set up an amazing Ramon trial, the most innovative study you've ever seen. It's all for people with standardly inoperable cancers, stage four in some time, brain mets, renal mets. Can we randomize them to, to uh, consolidative treatment plus surgery um, or just consolidative treatment alone? I think it's really amazing. The other thing he has done is he has set up the world's best regular weekly watch in thoracic surgery. There is nothing better than the Brompton Grand Rounds. Uh, I watch it sometimes on a weekend if I can't tune in on Friday at 8am. And for our American colleagues, uh, you just need to catch up on the weekend because that's a little bit early for you guys. But he really is having world leaders in every specialty coming to tell us all about the current innovations in thoracic surgery. So well done to him. I really don't think there is something like this in cardiac surgery yet. I'd love to hear if anybody would like to set it up uh, and do check out the Brompton Grand Rounds on Eric Lim's website. Well, that's all we've got time for. It's been a packed edition, so do tune in next week uh, and we'll take you through all what's big and exciting in the world of chiropractic surgery.